Would you please stand and face the procession for confession and forgiveness? Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. I confess to you, God Almighty, before the whole company of heaven, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned by my own fault in thought, word, and deed. I pray, God Almighty, to have mercy on me, forgive me all my sins, and bring me to everlasting life. Almighty and merciful God, grant you healing, pardon, and forgiveness of all your sins. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O Lord God, you led your people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide us now so that following your Son, we may, we may walk safely through the wilderness of this world toward the life you alone can give. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Maybe seated. A reading from Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us, by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, so now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. Here ends the reading.
The second reading is taken from the 10th chapter of Romans. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led Jesus up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours through Jesus, our tempted Lord. Amen. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, and he was tempted by the devil. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Just for the fun of it, since he's sitting in the back, good morning, church. <laughs> Love that. Episcopal poet, author, theologian, priest, James Carroll, once said that Lent knocks on your door 
like an old friend who you haven't seen for a long time. I love that. It resonates with me uh, quickly why. I, I've been around the sun a few times in my life. Church from when they took me there as a child all the way till now. I tried to do the calculations of at least 22 different churches I've done Lent at. 22 different pastors have had a stab at putting ashes on my forehead. I've given them a bigger target as the years have gone on. Uh, and remember that you're dust and that dust you will return. And for a whole lot of years, the familiar friend of Lent has been the start of a journey back to the joy of Easter and a time for me to be renewed by my baptismal vows. I want to push on that analogy today and by way of warning, I'm going to go a little deeper, not intellectually, just a little personally deeper. This old friend Lent that I do love, um, what if that friend is a really old, old friend that you've known for a long, long time? They knew you back when you didn't even really know you. Maybe it was someone you went to college with or high school or your first job or served in the military. Who knows? But what if this friend and you have been through stuff together? Stuff. What if you knew each other when you went through it? What if that was the friend who was there the late nights or when you had no one else to call? And what if it was the person to whom you bared your soul? Maybe even because you had to, you had no other choice at the moment. Maybe you shared a few beers and tears together or maybe it was a cup of tea in rehab. The point being that you were really good friends with one another. You shared deep personal things like your fears and your failures and your frustrations, poems, prayers, promises. And then as it happens with old friends, you just kind of lose touch, life goes on. And you know, that was okay, maybe it was even good because you know, that was back then and now I'm somebody else. I just went to my 50th class reunion, was actually the 51st. I can't tell you how many times when someone said, uh, so what did you do for a career? And I said, uh, I was a minister. You could literally hear the air sucking out of the room. <laughs> what, what? And there she is, or he is, lint on your doorstep, familiar, but really unexpected and not completely welcome. And you give Lent a hug, you're glad to see the person, I guess, and you invite her in, there's a big smile on your face. And to be really honest about it, this is a friend that you knew back then, it's just kind of the thing that was back in your past, and, and suddenly you realize that this person knows all of that, knows all of me, and there's a knot in your stomach about that. That's the way Lent works. <clears throat> it begins with Ash Wednesday and Ashes, message of we're all dust. And from there, it jumps quickly into we're feeble dust, we're temptable, all of us. It's the blunt part of the church year, the church's readings. The readings for these six weeks of Lent are very much like 
looking in the eyes of a dear old friend who really knows who you are and what you have been about. Well, so let's play with the metaphor just a little bit more. That dear old friend, after you go through the pleasant trees, like, come on in, you want something to drink, how long you'll be in town. It's just you and a friend sitting in the kitchen, everybody else going to bed, and maybe you're out on the deck. And as only an old friend can do, cracks the ice and asks what others don't know you well enough to ask. So how are you really doing? How did you get through that? You still have scars? How are you dealing with those old temptations in your life? The pain. Luke just drops this right in the middle of the story. Um, fourth chapter is all the farther we are. Jesus is still drying off from being baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John and a couple of hundred other people. And then next thing you know, he's out in the wilderness all by himself, wandering, dry desert. And while he is out there in the wilderness, he meets the devil. Talk about an old friend who really knows you. Ooh. Devil starts off with a lie. That's what the devil always does. If you are the son of God, if you are, come on, the devil knows he's the son of God. He's just spiritually trash talking. He's like standing up next to the free throw line whispering to the guy shooting, you can't make this. You can't make this. And then there's just one temptation after another and the devil's coming after him. I don't really need to go deeply into each of those because uh, it's enough for you to notice that it's real. They're real temptations for Jesus. Bread into stones, stones into bread. I don't know if you've ever been to Palestinian desert, but if stones in Palestine are a dime a dozen, and not only you're not hungry, but you can solve world hunger if you could do that. Power over all the kingdoms of the world, whatever country, whatever military, whatever political party, you know you can do it, Jesus. And besides, world peace. Safely leap tall buildings, even the temple that Superman would whine about. Skip ahead a few years, Jesus. You don't need to go through all of this. Just go straight to the throne, man. Worship me and take the throne. If you're going to tempt the Son of God made flesh, you better bring it. And the devil does, as the devil always does. The Son of God is tempted. Doesn't sound like good news yet, but it is. Now, this is your Lenten journey, not Jesus. And the temptations are always personal. And your old friend knows yours are as well. Maybe you're not into power or bread or crash insurance, and maybe to be enough just to admit it that you are tempted and you understand what it means to succumb to temptation. Now, a smart preacher would back off at this point, but, you know, um, I'm old, I'm retired, been on vacation, interim associate, something or other, or maybe I just don't know better. You can take your pick. This is Lent. 
And if anything, the pulpit ought to be real if it's going to be a journey of renewal for us. So getting personal, don't anybody stand up and shout. What is tempting you right now? That's a question that I think we, despite having confession and absolution every time we gather, I think it's a question that we almost pathologically keep buried. Like we're in denial about being tempted. What's tempting you? What's going on in your life? What's trying to seduce you? What's gnawing at your soul right now? What just won't go away? What's making your nights restless? What's your thorn in the flesh? What's bedeviling you in 2022? It's like an old friend that never minces words. Lent. What is hampering or pampering my faith? What's tempting my relationship with God right now? And it is different. It's different for every one of us, and yet we all go through temptation. Every person in this room understands temptation, whether we're willing to talk about it or not. And every person in this room, regardless of our age or status, we are temptable. Now, pulpit should never be time for therapy, and this isn't that, but I guess I, I thought we needed an illustration. Uh, when I first began pastoral ministry, southeast Missouri, 100 miles south of St. Louis on the Mississippi River, I started St. John Lutheran Church in Pocahontas, Missouri. Sounds exactly, it was exactly like it sounds. Uh, about 100 blessedly loving people and about 20 houses. And I, I was a kid who was raised in the suburbs in a city, and I had seen a cow in, in a book once. Um, <laughs> but I had never been in a milking bar, and I'd never baled hay, and I'd never shoveled manure before. And uh, I struggled a little bit. And uh, I was befriended by a, a pastor over in southern Illinois, just really close across the Mississippi River. He was a classmate of one of my internship supervisors, and as an, unact, an act of unearned grace in my life, he just decided, maybe he looked at me and said, this, this kid going to need some help. Um, and he just started to befriend me and mentor me. And on several occasions, he and his wife, Trudy, together would say, hey, you want to go up to St. Louis and go to dinner with us? Now, for Ann and I at that point in our life, that meant let's go up to McDonald's. Maybe we'll split the fries. Maybe we'll get two. I don't know. That's what we could afford. <laughs> and he, so he always had these fabulous restaurants we would go to. And I was always skeptical. There's got to be some agenda, and the only agenda was to talk about life and how it's going. When we would go to clergy conferences, he, he would always give me a call and say, hey, you want to ride together? He never once asked, are you going? <laughs> that was one of the ways he mentored me as well. Um, and I vividly remember a conversation in the car with Pastor George Freidinger that I was really wanting to have. And I don't want to give anybody too holy a picture of this. He got the windows down because he's smoking a cigar. Okay. And I wanted to talk to him about, I'm not feeling too good about what I'm doing. And I'm not sure this pastoring thing is going to work out for me. Um, and maybe there's something better for me, some, something I could do better. And I'll never forget his blunt answer to me. Well, Jim, you know, the devil always looks good. I'm like, what 
the, what Jordan? He said, the devil always looks good. Don't forget it. Now, as a child and even as an adult, the only pictures of the devil I'd ever seen were like in Sunday school curriculum there, or the movies or in a cartoon or something like that. And it's always some shifty-eyed, weasel-faced uh, snake or something with horns or a tail or a pitchfork or, you know, red for some reason. I mean, you just look at it, it's obviously bad. If you're talking to that person, you obviously know this ain't good. That's a, that's a horrible temptation. I'm not going to fall for that. That's the devil. Couldn't have missed it if you tried. Now, you can argue till you're blue in the face about whether the devil was real or not. Some of my sisters and brothers in Christ believe that he is. And some believe she's not. I don't waste a lot of breath on that argument, I'll be sure. But Pastor George was telling me, and in my late 20s, I just couldn't grasp the way I can now in life, was that however temptation arrives, it's never going to look like a bad idea to you. The devil always looks good. So much so... Now, you just start to wonder whether the devil or evil or temptation even exists at all because, I mean, it's just all good. It does exist. First Sunday of Lent, as I mentioned, always starts with this temptation in the wilderness. And I often think of 1988 Martin Scorsese film, The Last Temptation of Christ. You might remember when that hit the town. Uh, evangelicals were protesting down at the theaters. Everybody was going crazy about how vulgar and graphic the movie is. Uh, the blunt point of the film, which was slightly different than the 1960 novel that I read because everybody was up in arms, and I saw the film wearing my clerical collar on Ash Wednesday. The blunt point of the film was that Jesus' greatest temptation probably wasn't out in the wilderness might not even have been in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' greatest temptation might have just been to just have a great life, to live a normal life, to not get all caught up in this suffering servants for others kind of thing. To just have a life, you know, just have a family, have a job, work in your father's carpentry shop, live a good life, pension plan. Maybe Jesus' greatest temptation, he just, he just really wanted to hear something I take for granted nearly every day. Hi, honey, I'm home. That always looks good. Always looks good. Most of my temptations are like that. I'm, I'm not really tempted by superpowers. I'm not. I'm, I'm not tempted to feed the whole world by whole grain rocks. I, I, that's not my thing. Uh, I have literally never entertained the idea that I could jump over a chair, much less a tall building. <laughs> what tempts me is just far more ordinary than that. Um, doing nothing tempts me. Being silent tempts me. Talking too much tempts me. Rationalizing that things aren't that bad that tempts me. Doing too little or doing too much or thinking that I would know the difference between those two. The biggest temptation 
which we are all facing, zeroing in on on the first Sunday of Lent, the biggest temptation is to not recognize how real temptations are in our lives. And that always looks good. I don't want to bust anybody's Lenten bubble. You gave up chocolate for Lent? Good luck. <laughs> don't, no cheating. I'm, I'm already done with Lent. <laughs> I've, I've already given that up. In fact, I this year thought I would just give up my second beer. Too late, I've already broken that one. <laughs> I'm tempted, you're tempted, Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted. That's just like in-your-face kind of Lenten thing, and any first-year preaching student would say, is he ever going to get around to the gospel? Is there any good news in this, or we're just going to stay in the wilderness all day? But let me give you the good news really quickly now. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what a friend. Not Lent, not the devil, Jesus. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. He's been there, he's done that. It's the same God who led, we learned in our first reading, led Israel through the wilderness. It's the same God, Paul reminds the church that the word is near to you, close to you, always. When we are being tempted right now, he raises us up on eagle's wings when nobody else can. When we are struggling, he bears us on the breath of dawn. When we are alone, he holds us, comforts us in the palm of his hand. He knows who we are, and he knows what temptation is from his own experience. He's an old friend, a best friend, a good friend. He knew me back then. He knows me now. He will always know me. He loved me then. He loves me now. He will always love me, whether I give up chocolate or not. It's tempting. But I admit, I don't have the power to change the world. I don't have the power to change everyone else or even anyone else. I can't even change myself. And thinking that I can do that, way too tempting. But I know this, and we are going to sing it in just a moment when our oldest and dearest friends wrote it, a guy named Martin Luther were they to take my house, goods, honor, child or spouse, please don't tempt me like that, Lord. The devil cannot win the day. The kingdom is ours forever. Amen.
Let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Gracious Lord, bless our congregation as we enter the season of Lent. During this time of reflection, restore us through your Holy Scripture, that we receive the blessed sacrament and renewal of our spirit through the body of blood and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Guard us from temptation and the things of this world, that we may walk in your ways and delight in your greatness and mercy. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, grant courage, strength, and wisdom in places where fear has taken hold and give your people the strength to show compassion and generosity to all who seek, seek sanctuary in Ukraine and places of enduring war and oppression. We pray for deliverance from violence and suffering and that there is a pathway to peace and reconciliation. We pray for your blessing upon our nation and all who govern in your name. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Holy Lord, bless all pastors and servants of your church in the world ministering to your people both near and far. Help us to use our time on this earth wisely by reflecting your light and goodness to others through our church ministries and outreach. Bless all who share your good news by any and all of these means. Lord, in your mercy. God of life, bless our civil servants who come to the need of our community in times of trouble. We pray for the safety of our military members and their families. We pray for your blessing upon all marriages and families and all homes that they are places of nurturing and love. We pray for newborns and for those who are at the end of life. With the knowledge and comfort that your presence and mercies endure throughout our lives from beginning to end. And that we manifest this grace throughout our days and time on this earth. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Father, bring peace to those afflicted in mind, body, or spirit. May they know you and feel your presence to sustain them through whatever time of trial that they are going through. Grant peace to those suffering the loss of a loved one, that they know that your promises endure forever. We pray especially for those we now name before you, both silently and aloud. Father, we commend to all those who, whom we pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. Let us share that peace with one another. Peace. That's peace.
We invite you to be seated for a couple of announcements. Welcome to our service of worship today, a special welcome uh, to those who are joining us online. Just a couple of highlights for the upcoming week. On Tuesday at 1 o'clock, our senior ministry is uh, sponsoring a foot and ankle health seminar with our own Dr. Lynette Mel. So come and be part of that. That's this Tuesday at 1 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. On Wednesdays, we begin our Wednesdays in Lent. Originally, we thought we were not going to have the soup, but we decided let's give it a try. Some may not be comfortable coming for the soup. That's perfectly fine. But if you would like to, join us at 6 o'clock for soup, 6.30 for Bible study. We're looking at renewal through baptism uh, from the Scripture. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll have prayer around the cross. So again, that's Wednesdays in Lent, beginning now at 6 o'clock with soup. Throughout the month of March, we're collecting underwear for people in need, especially at the shelters. We call it Undie Sundays, and it's sort of an odd thing to ask from, from the foot of the altar, but we need it. So if you're able to buy new underwear for people, there's information about what we need in the fellowship hall and also a place there to bring those items. Very soon, if you haven't seen it yet, we this year have enrolled in something called Hoops for Haiti. I was going to throw it to you there, Ryan. Can you get it? Oh, yeah. And on the... Oh, look at this. There we go. All right. He's going to win the competition. This way? All right. Hey. All right. Ryan, next week it's juggling, so hang in there. Hoops for Haiti. We are in competition with other Lutheran churches in the area to see how much money we can raise for the Haitian Timon Foundation. And this is the way it works. Once the brackets are announced for the NCAA men's basketball tournament on Sunday, you can go to a website, fill out your bracket. The cost is $25. You will win none of that money no matter what happens or how good your bracket is. All of that money will go to support the Haitian Timon Foundation. You can fill out one bracket or two brackets, three brackets or four brackets, however many brackets you want. You could also fill out a bracket for $25 and give them $200, right? We're simply raising money for Haiti. If in our congregation you do win, Ryan is going to twirl this ball and he's going to present it to you. Uh, It is a Hoops for Haiti with the Prince Peace logo. Pastor Jim did this with a little lizard on it there. And of course, Pastor Jim had to do this with a Wilson basketball. (laughs) I don't think that was just accidental. But this is just a wonderful sort of fun opportunity to support people in need. So check out our social media displays. We did a commercial for this. All the churches did. It's just sort of a fun thing. But in the end, we're raising money for people in need. So hoops for Haiti. And then the final announcement today, when we get to the offertory hymn, there's a line missing in the hymn. It's the old Psalm 51, creating in me a clean heart. If you grew up Lutheran, you know it anyways, so we're going to test you to see if you in fact know it or not. If you don't know it, it's hymn 188 in the hymnal, has everything you need right there, okay? So hymn 188, or just do it from your Lutheran heart. We'll see what happens, all right? We now continue our worship service with the offering.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy God, our living water and our merciful guide, together with rivers and seas, wells and springs, we bless and magnify you. You led your people Israel through the desert, provided them with water from the rock. We praise you for Christ, our rock and our water, who joined us in our desert, pouring out his life for the world. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and he gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering therefore his life, death, and resurrection, we await your salvation for all this thirsty world. Pour out your spirit on this holy food and on all the baptized gathered for this feast. Wash away our sin that we may be revived for our journey by the love of Christ. Through him, all glory and honor is yours, almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your
Blessed Jesus, in this rich meal of grace, you have fed us with your body, the bread of life. Now send us forth to bear your life-giving hope to a world in need. Go in peace. Jesus meets you on the way. Thanks. Thanks. 